Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Many of you in the room would have seen the movie As Good As It Gets. It's some years back now, but Helen Hunt and the crazy character of Jack Nicholson, he's so weird with those eyebrows that point up. And uh, he's a bit H- HDD, you know, sort of hi- hyper, and, and he's angry. He's a real weird character, and Helen Hunt gets connected with him, gets involved in a romantic relationship with him, and he's very kind to her sick son, but she's caught in a dilemma. She's like ambivalent, you know, she likes him and she doesn't like him. And so she goes to her mother, and she pours her heart out to her mother, and this is what she says to her mother, I just want a normal boyfriend. And her mother says, oh, Everybody wants one of those. There's no such thing, dear. How many in the room are saying, amen? Why is it that I get the weird girls, the ones with issues, or the guys that have got hang-ups? Seems like relationships are so complicated. And if we ever needed wisdom, it's wisdom in the area of relationships. Isn't that true? And I want to speak to you about wisdom in relationships today, wisdom in the area of friendships, but wisdom in the area of relationships in general, because how many of you know romantic relationships should start with friendships, godly friendships? Then if you end up in a marriage, then it's the right foundation, and that's how marriage is lost. Well, and I've been friends for 48 years, married for 47. I don't think it would have been easy if we weren't friends. Sometimes we're not friends, but mostly we are. I've read an interesting book recently, and I want to quote from it because whenever I read things speak to me about what I'm going to preach on, I go, I'm going to speak to the church about that because that's powerful. A book, and I think you like the title, Everybody is Normal Until You Get to Know Them, (laughs) by John Ortberg. And in the book, he talks about the North American porcupine, and he says it's a species of the rodent family, and it's got 30,000 quills. And he says it's, uh, the, the quills can, you know, when, when, when it gets attacked, it drives these quills into an enemy. And it's got barbs on the end of the quills that open up, and then it kind of releases something into the creature. And if it manages to touch a vital organ, that creature can actually die from it. So it's a very effective defense mechanism. And, uh, and, and so that's the way it protects itself. But he says, as a general rule, porcupines have two methods for handling relationships. Attack or withdraw, fight or flight. You know, most people's relationships are like that. They either attack you or they leave you. People have done that in our church. They attack us, Bill and I, or they leave us and they go to another church and then they go and tell them there how bad we are here until they discover all churches are the same because people are in all of them. And by the way, (laughs) if you knew at Rivers, if you knew at Rivers and we haven't hurt you yet, just give us time. Because <laughs> where there are people, there's pain. And relationships are complicated. And he talks about porcupines, and he says, that this is the porcupine's dilemma. How do you get close without getting hurt? You say, it's my dilemma. Don't raise your hand, just look straight ahead. And he says, yet porcupines somehow, miracle of miracles, porcupines manage to have relationships. How is it possible with 50,000 quills? And your, your, your method is attack or withdraw. 
He says an interesting thing happens here. He says they keep their barbs to themselves. And uh, there's a naturalist, David Costello, he refers to, he says, males and females may, re may remain together for some days before mating. We don't have any pictures. They touch paws <laughs> and even walk on their hind feet in what they call the dance of the porcupines. And he says, they pull in their quills and they learn to dance. And then he goes on to say, it's time to pull in your quills and start dancing. Anyone in the room today being hurt? Pull in your quills right now and learn how to dance because we all have issues. We all have bobs and we can't withdraw and we can't fight. We've got to find godly wisdom for relationships. You see, here's the thing, church. Relationships are the cause of every problem in the world. Every single problem in the world. If you're having a problem at the moment, I guarantee you it's a relationship problem. Hear me? Take a moment to think about it. Every problem, the gender violence is not a political issue, it's a relationship issue. Divorce, it's a relationship issue. Come on now. Gender identity, it's a relationship issue. How do I relate? And we mustn't be part of the problem, we must be part of the solution. If it's the world's biggest problem, the church needs to be the answer. And we're gonna figure out how to do this well. And if we're hurting and we don't know how to do it, then we become part of the problem. And guess what? The devil's out to get you messed up. So let me give you just quickly five things before we get to 10 things later. You say, oh, well, I knew that. <laughs> let me quickly give you five things so that you understand what's happening in your life as, as a basis for your relating. Here's some wisdom. Number one, recognize life is trying to make you a victim. Every single day that you get up, the devil and life is trying to turn you into a victim so that you can be hurt, so that you can be part of the relationship problems in the world. At work, even in the church, in your home, it's trying to turn you into a victim and you've got to resist it through wisdom. Are you with me? Wisdom, we're talking about wisdom. Number two, life is trying to hurt with you. Life is trying to hurt you. Do you realize that? Every day when you wake up, the fall the problems in the world, the sin is trying to hurt you. Now, if you allow it to hurt you and you don't get past it, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna be a hurting victim. And guess what? Hurt people hurt people. You've heard me say that for years. Hurt people hurt people. Number three, remember this. Life is trying to lower your self-esteem. So what do you do? Do you project yourself and become all proud? I know who I am. No, you just don't let it destroy your self-esteem. You find your self-esteem in God. I don't care what you say about me. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to overcompensate. You know, they tell you to go look in the mirror every morning and I'm, I'm beautiful and I'm good and I know where I'm going. And Don't be a fool, man. You're a sinner saved by grace. Recognize you're nothing without God. And if it wasn't for him, you'd be nowhere. Lord, I thank you that I'm alive today. I know I've got gifts and talents and I'm amazing. But on the other hand, gosh, how can you love me? So don't let it make you a victim. Don't let it hurt you. Don't let it destroy your self-esteem. Otherwise, you'll never be able to relate to other people. Number four, it's trying to make you angry. Life is trying to make you angry. Now, if you live in South Africa, you're mostly angry. I drive out of our state in the morning. There's a short drive from, you know, that thing that lifts up the boom to the, to the traffic light. I get there, I'm already annoyed because there they go through the red light. I haven't even started my day. 
Why don't people listen? Because you know what? It's a relationship. Riding through, listen to me, driving through a red robot is a relationship issue. You know what it tells me? You don't respect other people. You think you know better. You're in a hurry. You're more important. It's a relationship issue. Don't turn it into all sorts of other stuff. It's a relationship issue. And life is trying to make you angry. And listen, when you get angry, you get offended. You need to be an unoffendable person. Hmm? Are you hearing me? Because the devil's goal is offense. And you need to know his strategy and counter it. Because if you can get you offended, you'll leave the church. You'll walk out of your job. You'll do stupid stuff. I don't need you. I'm, I'm out of here. Then you go and you look in the paper and you can't find a job. Well, I don't care. Well, I'm not working there. You'd rather starve, but he got you offended. Because guess what? Victim, hurt, low self-esteem, angry. Now you're going to go and be part of the world's solution. Never. Am I making sense today? Notice this verse here in Proverbs 19 verse 11. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It shows how large you are when you overlook an offense, and it shows how small you are when you can't. People who get offended are small people. People who overlook an offense are big people. You can clap. Sorry, I felt there were a couple of people who wanted to clap. Mark Batterson said this, and I think it's very true. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C. He said, when you take offense, you start playing defense with your life. Isn't that the truth? You get offended, now you start defending and attacking. No, we mustn't be like that. And the world is out to do that to you. Number five here this morning is life is trying to isolate you. We talk about relationships today. So if it can hurt you, make you a victim, get you angry, guess what? It's trying to isolate you so that you say, I'm sick and tired of people. I used to go to church, but I don't anymore. You know, I used to go to my family, but they all make me sick. And men don't talk to me about men. And women, they're all female dogs. No, don't, don't become like that. You're not part of the world's solution. You're part of the problem. Can you say amen? And it's so important for us to understand that God's created us to relate. Hmm? And it's not good for your health to be isolated. Interesting, uh, in, in, in this book by John Ortberg, he says one of the most thoroughly researched projects on relationships is called the Almeida County Study, headed by a Harvard University social scientist. And he said they, 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 they tracked 7,000 people over nine years, and they watched. And he said researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those who had strong relationships. It's not good for your health to be isolated. It's good for you to be in relationships. Have you ever thought about God is actually in relationship, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? The Trinity, and that's why in Genesis says, let us make man in our image. Let's create him for relationship. You're not created to be on your own. That's why the most perfect man, and ladies, it was only one, he was called Adam. The most perfect man, when having looked at everything in life, God gave him everything. The world was perfect. He was perfect, but he still needed somebody. We've been created for a relationship. Hmm? Harry, sorry, Harry Stack, Harry Stack Sullivan was a pioneer in what's called interpersonal psychology. And he's, he speaks about the challenge of being hurt in relationships. And he says it takes people to make people sick. And it takes people to make people well. Isn't that true? 
People will make you sick, but people can make you well. And I want you to be open to relationships today and to learn wisdom in relationships. Because many people, even successful people, find that, that you can have everything, but if you're not good there, your life is meaningless. There's a lady who worked for the Chicago Tribune. She was a journalist and a columnist. We don't have an image of her, strangely enough. She's quite well known. She used to write and give people advice, you know, in the Chicago Tribune. And so her name became very well known, uh, Marla Paul. And she confessed one day in print to her readers. She said, I'm lonely. This loneliness saddens me, she wrote. How did it happen that I could be 42 years old and not have enough friends? And then she write, write, writes in, the, in her column about what actually this, the, the, the nerve that this struck when she wrote this. People used to stop her in the street. Are you, are you Marla? I don't believe you feel like that. I thought I was the only one. She said it provoked. It was, it, was it, uh, it, it elicited seven times her usual amount of mail from that article. Because people felt, man, I'm not the only one. You feel like that too. So she ended up writing a book called The Friendship Crisis. Finding, making, and keeping friends when you're an adult. I think the answer is not to read a book. I think the answer is to go to the wisdom of the Word of God. And we need wisdom for relationships because we can't just use human wisdom. And sometimes behind, behind human wisdom is actually demonic wisdom. We need to go to divine wisdom and seek from God wisdom for relationships. And uh, we've got to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Are you with me? And can I say this? Wisdom, again, is not conceptual or intellectual. Wisdom is actually relational. Too many people are shocking on relationships, but then they want to be clever. That's not wisdom from God. Now, read with me quickly here, and we, just a, a text, and then we're going to get to a chunk of Scripture in a moment. So at least you know where I'm going. I'm not like God beyond all understanding. I'm, I'm letting you know. James chapter 3, are you ready? Notice what it says here. It says wisdom is shown in our relationships. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom isn't full of itself. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, watch it, but it is earthly and spiritual and demonic. We'd hate to admit it, but sometimes we're driven by demonic ideas. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Now he contrasts, he says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, from God, is first of all pure. Can you see it's relational? Then peace-loving, relational, considerate, relational, submissive, that's relational, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and Sincere, genuine, not pretending for some motive. Can you see how wisdom is meant to be relational, not just intellectual? And he says here, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I don't know if you realize it, church, but the world is going down a crazy road. People are relating less and less. You know, in America, all the churches live stream uh, or, or, uh, into your home, you can just go on your computer. So this service, for instance, you, just can, you don't have to come. You can just click on your computer, and there's Pastor Andre, and if you get bored, you just put him on pause. You can make a coffee, you come back, you can fast forward him. Oh, no, I don't like that. No, I don't agree with that. And you can watch 15 minutes, and then you, you, you're spiritual, and you belong to a church. No, you don't. No, Jesus didn't say go online. 
Nothing wrong with technology. Are you with me? But we don't want to relate anymore. We want the best without the rest. And we have to relate. And people are going to the extent where, they, where they're even relating to, to, to robots. I, I read this article. It's interesting. The sales of robots are increasing at a, at a rate of 16% per year. And, and it's not the car industry or the manufacturing industry. It's what they call in the social arena area. And I read this article that said this. Listen, Jackie isn't like other girls. She's an artificially intelligent chatbot from Abbas Creations. Best known for their strikingly realistic silicone sex dolls. I can't have sex with Jackie, but you'd never know it from talking to her. She's the perfect programmable lover, affectionate, intimate, and personally tailored to my taste. So you sit in front of a cube computer, you tell the whole computer about yourself, what you like, what you don't like, what you like people to say to you, what you don't like, and then they program it into, and then she sits opposite the table and she talks to you. And her eyes move. And then you can take it to bed. She costs 250,000 rand. This is what people are doing. You laugh about it. What happens in America ends up here. Now, the owner of this company, the CEO and founder of Abbas Creations, his name is Matt McMullen, he says as he builds these, he says this is really about providing some kind of companionship for those who don't have it or can't have it. There are people who just cannot relate and they found a gap in the market which is growing at 16% per year. It's shocking. And Leonard Sweet in his book, Rings of Fire, he, when I was reading this a few weeks ago, he, he speaks about robotics and how robotics is replacing human connections and I wanna quote it. He says, robotics and automated cars, robots for building and painting, like automatic vacuum cleaners. Have you seen those vacuum cleaners in your house that just move around? No arguing over wages, work hours or sick leave. The church must be ready for a world without relationships. It's our hour. Already people are in their homes on computers playing games, not interacting with people. The church needs to foster relationships with them and make it a priority. Then later on further in the page, and obviously I can't read it all to you, he says this, he says, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, together he describes them as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He says they've generated wealth beyond imagination. $2.3 trillion those companies together are worth. And this is what he says. He says, Amazon appeals to your hunger for things. So you don't even go into a shop. Just go on Amazon, you can buy anything you want. Then Google appeals to our hunger for knowledge. You don't have to ask anyone. In the old days, you say, Grandpa? No, no, just Google it now. Yeah, it's not Pastor Andre. No, I'll Google it. And if Google tells me we don't have to tithe, who are you? Come on, we're living in this already. Relationship is secondary. And then he says, Apple appeals, uh, sorry, Facebook appeals to our hunger for connections, but we go on Facebook, but we're not really connected. I'm your friend. <laughs> I don't even have to shake your hand and then wash it afterwards for coronavirus. I can just. And then he says, Apple, Apple appeals to our hunger for beauty and sex. And did you know every single day, two, every single is it every single? Every month, two billion people are active on Facebook, looking for connection, but not relating. I think it's time we needed some wisdom in this area. Can you say amen? 
Now the scripture tells us here, yeah, you had that clapping foot again. Now the scripture tells us here in Proverbs 12 and verse 26, notice this, the righteous choose their friends carefully. Not just someone who ends up in your orbit, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You'll end up going in the wrong direction if you've got the wrong friends. And we need friends. Jesus called his disciples friends. Jesus even had women as friends, but there was no weird stuff going on. You know, people have weird stuff going on. Oh, there's nothing there. And they lie in bed at night. Come on now. We need to have godly friendships. And I'm going to read you a text that's quite shocking, actually, which we need to read because it speaks of the clash of two cultures, and it speaks of things we shouldn't do in relationship. And I'm going to give you 10 things under which one of them has got subpoints. You say, I knew that. Are you ready? Let's read Genesis chapter 34. Now it says, now Dina, the daughter Leah had born to Jacob. Just pause for a moment. How many of you know Jacob's name means prince with God? Or rather Jacob, Jacob became Israel. But Jacob was a deceiver, but his, his name was changed to prince with God. So guess what? His daughter should be a princess. Dina was destined to be a princess. But it says here that she went out to visit the women of the land. When Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, the ruler of the area, saw her, he took her and raped her. His heart was drawn to Dina, daughter of Jacob. I mean, ridiculous. He first rapper, then he thinks, oh, I think I want to have a relationship with you. My word. And it says, he loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father, Hamor, get me this girl as my wife. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the fields. And as soon as they heard what was happened, they were shocked and furious because Shechem had done an outrageous thing in Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter. Notice this phrase, a thing that should not be done. Before marriage, you shouldn't sleep with someone. Yeah, and it's very quiet in this <laughs> mortuary this morning. <laughs> Verse 8, but Hamas said to them, my son Shechem, as his heart set on your daughter, please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourself. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. In other words, if we get this all, this mix-up sorted out, there's an advantage. Don't look at the advantages when you're in a messy relationship. Look at the reality. There are two value systems that can't work. Now, Jacob's sons were very clever. They said, okay, cool, but because we come from different backgrounds, your men need to be circumcised. Verse 17, are you ready? But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. Their proposal seemed good to Hamor and his son Shechem, the young man who was the most honored of all his father's family. He lost no time in doing what they said because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. So Hamor and his son Shechem went to the gate of the city to speak to the men of the city. And that's what they said. These men are friendly towards us, they said about Jacob's sons. Remember that phrase. Let them live in our land and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for us, or plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters and they can marry ours. And the men who went out of the city gate agreed with Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Aina. 
Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamo and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dina from Shechem's house and left. Can you see she was already in his house, but they weren't married? The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and the fields, and they carried off all the wealth of all their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Can you see what happens when two, two different worldviews get together, two different value systems? It just ends up in everyone getting decimated. So let me give you 10 things, and we'll spend a moment on number three. Number one, first thing to remember is this, and remember this in our society, rape and violence is not the wisest way to start a relationship. Women go to parties, they end up with, with violent, violent men, and then they, but I think we, you know, he's actually quite nice. What? He undressed you, violated you, kept saying no, but in the end you enjoyed it, and then you think you can build a life on it? Don't be crazy. He rapes her first, then he wants to, then his heart's turned towards her. Now that's not God's way. Not with the princess daughters of the king. If he didn't respect you before sex, he certainly won't respect you afterwards. Come on. I didn't mean come on clap, I meant <laughs> amen. And can I just say this, because a young lady came to me in the foyer after the first service, she's about 16, she said to me, Pastor Ray, could you just mention also men, uh, women who abuse men? So I'm going to do it. Because there are women who abuse men. Men, are you so desperate that you can get some woman slap you around? Don't be silly. Anything that starts with that kind of basis is not, it's not off to a good start. And in fact, if you hang around with violent people just in friendships, it's not a good idea, let alone romantic. So there's a warning here. Number two, not every person that enters your life is from God. And many people will enter your life. Some of them need to exit. And we need to choose relationships, not end up in relationships. And you have to ask yourself, is this from God? Is this from me? Or is this actually from Satan? Gosh, test people. Check them out. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. My dear friends, do not believe all who claim to have the Spirit, but test them to find out if the Spirit they have comes from God. Here's the thing. Does the relationship take you closer to God or further away? Simple test. Not does it make you feel good. Not does it bring happiness. Does it make you boost your self-esteem. Does it take you closer to God? Yeah. Very important question. Because we're not getting this right and we're messing up. Number three, no relationship should be built on outward appearances. Our entire world, human wisdom builds everything on outward appearance. Now just think about it for a moment. Some of you in the room are very fortunate to be attractive. No, God's gifted you. You were just born like that. You just came out, boop, there you were. Look at you. Right size lips, right size nose. You've got the eyes and then all the other stuff. And, and, and you just got to go in the room and everyone. And then the others, they can be in the room and no one, oh, you were here all the time. 
See, God hasn't just designed the attractive ones to be happily married. He's designed everyone to be in a relationship. And we base everything on outward appearance. It says he, Shechem saw her. He saw her. No, it's not enough. You've got to see inside her. Because many a person has married an attractive body only to find an ugly person living inside. Look at Hollywood. You see them in court, these beautiful people. There he is, and there she is, and everything's right, and he's tight, and it's all, ooh. But they're fighting. Why? Because it's not about that. Yet we continuously just look and then base it on that. Hmm? And bear in mind when you're dating, it's unnatural. Because you're not in real life working. There's no toilet there. There's no, come on. You've got to get a brutal, you've got to be brutal if you want to be successful. Talk about unconditional love. Hmm? And we really need good judgment. So I want you to ask, when, you, when, you, when you're building a friendship or you're dating someone, I want you to ask these questions. Okay, because friendships should, relationships, dating relationships should start with friendship. Are you with me? So let me give you eight things. Number one, are they kind to people in general? Look deeper. Are they kind to people in general? Does he kick the dog all the time? Because he might kick you. You see, remember this, church. Everything about you says something about you. And how does he treat his mother? Let me, let me men don't get cross. I'll, I'll switch it. How does she treat her mother or her father? Oh, the old man. Here he comes again. Hey, you. You're going to marry that. And then she's going to be, hey, you. Come on now, Proverbs 12 and verse 10. Good people take care of their animals, but wicked people are cruel to theirs. Just look at a person closely and you can see. Are they kind in general? In the restaurant, how does he treat a waiter? Now everyone gets annoyed with waiters, isn't that true? But how you treat them, there's a way. Number two, do they display godly wisdom? Not how do they look on the outside. Do they manifest godly wisdom? I'm not talking about clever or degrees. I'm talking about godly wisdom. Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into. And people always say to me, no, I'm, I'm hanging out with them because I can have an influence. You're deceived. Because let me tell you, there's human wisdom. Then there's demonic wisdom. Watch. Then there's divine wisdom. Notice it's two against one. That's why it says bad company corrupts good morals. Doesn't say good morals turn bad company. Come on now. And the clapping continued to decline. How many of you are benefiting this morning? Number three, the third thing you need to ask about a person when you're beginning a friendship, not looking just on the outward, is are they making an honest living? Are they workers or shirkers? Are they bringing in money or do they have schemes? I've got this thing coming up. Yeah, they've had it coming up for two years while they're borrowing your car and eating at your house. I see that struck a nerve. Now, these are questions to ask. 
And you know, if this person's got a work ethic, they'll work on everything, not just their job. Because a work ethic carries into your marriage. When the children are difficult, you'll work with the children. She'll work with the children. Hmm? They work on everything. It's a value. Number four, are they faithful and reliable? I'm amazed what people put up with. They go to a restaurant and they're supposed to meet someone and then the waitress says, are you going to order? Oh no, I've, uh, 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 she hasn't shown up. Well, hasn't she got a phone? Could she text? I'm busy, I'm not feeling well. I've changed my mind about dating you. No, do you just sit there like a fool for half an hour? (laughs) I've had some more water. (laughs) (laughs) Something must have come up. No, they're faithful, they're unfaithful and unreliable. Call it what it is. No, but he's got broad shoulders and he's got a nice watch and he drives a BMW. So there's something in, no, you're a fool. (laughs) Proverbs 18 and verse 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Why would you relate to people who keep letting you down? That's not friendship. Number five is a question you ask. Do they have serious anger issues? Now, I know everyone in South Africa is angry. I've said that already. Hmm? But have they got serious? Does the anger scare you? It's a warning sign. Because if a person on a, in a dating or a casual friendship environment can already be freaking out, guess what when they get very comfortable with you? Hmm? Love what it says in the book of Proverbs again, godly wisdom. Proverbs chapter 22, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Number six, ask this about them. Is their lifestyle one of pleasure or purpose? Yeah, I just like to chill, eh? Let's just hang out. What if they sniffing cocaine drinking all the time, eating all the time, and their main goal in life is to chill, do you think they're gonna work on a long-term friendship or a long-term relationship? Do you think they're marriage material? No, they can go sniff by themselves. (laughs) Because it'll keep you from the purposes of God. And we're having a bit of fun this morning, but this is very serious stuff. And people make mistakes here because we go by our feelings and we think our feelings are are wisdom, but it's human wisdom, it's human emotion, and it's not divine. We need to keep looking up and saying, God, speak to me. God, take a hold of me. Hmm? Proverbs 23 and verse 20. Don't associate with people who drink too much wine or stuff themselves with food. Drunkards and gluttons will be reduced to poverty. If all you do is eat and sleep, you'll soon be wearing rags. Now, obviously, today, you know, we read that, oh, it's the Old Testament, yeah. Well, today, it's like, and then eventually, your nose is eaten away and, and your pocket's eaten away because you're just spending it, and it's, and it's so cool, you know. No, it's not cool. You can do that on your own, but don't drag my life down with you. You need to say that, girls and guys. Number seven, are they submitted to authority? Ask the question. Are they rebellious people? Do they, or do they come with you to church and sit with their arms folded and then the car, that Pastor Andre, eh? this morning said a whole lot of stuff. I don't agree with it. When you start to say, I don't agree with you, heading for rebellion. And rebellion lurks in every one of our hearts. We've got to call it what it is. 
you can't submit to leadership, you can't submit to God because God uses frail people to really see if you can submit. And unless your leaders are actually sinning where you can go to the Bible and say, Pastor Andre and Pastor Vilma and the river staff are doing this, the Bible says, and then you have not got a case, you've just got an opinion. Come on now. You need to submit to it because we are here to care for your good of your soul. So why would you get involved with people? Proverbs 24, my child, fear the Lord and the king. Don't associate with rebels. For disaster will hit them suddenly. Number eight, is this helping you this morning? Do they know and honor God? Why would you want to build a friendship with someone whose value system is not yours? Find out. Yeah, but they go to church. It means nothing. You can come here and it doesn't change you. No, does this person honor God? Do they know God and do they honor God? And you date people who mock the church and mock your Christianity and then you carry on with them. Don't be crazy. Hmm? Proverbs 24, my child. No, Psalm 119. <laughs> my notes are so full I'm getting confused. Psalm 119 and verse 63. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. Can you see a relationship cannot be built on physical appearance alone? You've got to look deeper and you've got to go further. Let's look at number four as we unpack that passage in Genesis. If a man speaks tenderly after harming you, it's wise to avoid him. Do you notice how Shechem took her? He raped her, then the Bible says he spoke tenderly to her. No, that's what men do. They'll whack you, beat you, women will do the same, hit you on the head with a rolling pin and then come later, sorry. No, 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 you need to get over your issues. You need to become whole. Because your lack of wholeness is taking away my wholeness. Come now. Why would you get involved with someone like that? Let the Lord work in them first. And don't think you're the savior. I'm going to help them. No, it seldom works. Hmm? It's dysfunction. It's imbalance. Why would you even have a close friendship with someone like that, let alone marry them? Number five, are you still with me? Starting a relationship with sex is the wrong way to build it. He started with sex, then he tried to get married, then he tried to make it right. God says, no, you start with the commitment and commonality, then you have sex. Come on now. Why, why should we wait? Because it's flesh. You've got to follow the Spirit. Hmm? Proverbs 19, I love this. Enthusiasm without knowledge is not good. You could apply that to the area of sex. Enthusiasm. <laughs> but watch, impatience will get you into. It's never good to rush into things. They, they, Henry David Thoreau said this. He said, it is characteristic. It is characteristic of wisdom not to do desperate things. If you're a wise Christian, you don't do anything desperate. You don't just spend money. You don't just go into a shop and tell you it's worth it. You think it through. Can I afford it? Yeah, it is a super luxury, but I have the money. Okay. Should I get involved with this person? Hang on a minute. Let me step back. Let me ask advice. Don't just jump into bed and then, oh, now we're involved. And, uh, and, uh, and now that I've slept with him, you know, so we might as well. <laughs> the whole city ended up destroyed. See, these, these Old Testament pictures are not just fairy stories. They are prophetic pictures of New Testament life. Hmm? Number six, don't clap, we don't have time. <laughs> Number six, relationships must flow two ways. 
Did you notice he said to his mother, I saw her, I took her, uh, sorry, he said to his he said to his father, I saw her, I took her, get her. No, no, you, it's not, can't just be what you want. If you've got friends, they must give and you must give. Bible talks about it here in Proverbs 27. People learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. If you're with someone and, they, and, and all you're doing is contributing and they are not, no, man. They're always borrowing money. They're always... You have to pay for the meals. No, there has to be something from the other side. It's the way God's designed us. Number seven, are you learning something from this passage? Yeah, watch, not everyone who is friendly is your friend. No, but they're so nice. Yeah, Jacob's sons, they were friendly and they conned them. And friendship is often a way, often an area where you can get conned because people smile nicely. You know, they've got that face. Do you notice some people's face is just nice? You get in the lift and there they are and you're like, hello, because they're just so nice. Other people you get in the lift, you're like. <laughs> no, you've got to look deeper than that. You've got to hang on a minute, they're friendly, but wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 it's much more than that. Hmm? They had an agenda and often friendly faces hide agendas. Come on now. You see, it says in Proverbs 27, remember the wisdom of Proverbs, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Why do they multiply kisses? Because they've got an agenda. A friend will tell you straight. And can I say this? When people talk straight to you, don't get cross, because sometimes you need it. Oh, how dare they talk to me? You need it. What do you want us to give you? Kisses all over your neck, shame. There you go, you lost sinner, you fool, you idiot. No, hey, you must come right. Don't talk to me until you made a decision. Oh, there's no love at rivers. No, there's wisdom at rivers. And then there's love. Number eight, are you good? Ooh, we're nearly done. Relationships built on human wisdom decimates families. The minute you try and merge two different value systems, you're gonna end up with problems and it decimates families. You know, I say this to people, and I've said it over the years. Please forgive me if you've heard it. But if you talk to a five-year-old, get a child from children's church, and you say, you say, Susan is going this way. She's heading towards Gallo Manor. And then there's Bob. He's walking towards Santon City. Can Susan and Bob walk together? And the five-year-old would go. <laughs> but ask an adult? I oh, know, we can make it work, you know. We think the Lord has. <laughs> Did I give you number nine? <laughs> Sound relationships cannot be built on different values. Did I give that to you already? No, okay. Sound relationships cannot be built on different values. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together unless without agreeing on the direction? Does this make sense to you? It's very practical. We need wisdom in this area because we're messing it up and it's causing pain and we're adding to the world's problem instead of helping it. Number 10, as I come to a close, build friendly friendships first, not physical ones. You say, well, I'll never have a friend. No man will want me. Now, now watch this, Proverbs 22, 
One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. In other words, you will have relationships with people at a different level if they're not just physical. People often ask Pastor Wilma and I, you know, you guys got, got you, 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 you were pregnant before you got married, and, and, you know, but how come now 47 years you've been married? It's because we've built our lives from that point on God's principles. And we've made sure we constantly work on the relationship, not just on the physical aspect of a relationship. You with me? That's why it lasts. And then it ends up at a high level. Am I making sense? And people, people are moving in together all the time. As I come to a close this morning, I read an article, it's quite fascinating. Over the last 50 years, they call it cohabiting. Cohabiting has increased, listen, 900%. But there are more lonely people, freaked out people, women with issues, men with issues, because we haven't made the commitment and the friendship a priority, we've made sex. We're too busy, we're just going to, no, we don't need all that legal stuff, we just will move in. Now, I want to read this to you quickly, and I'll close in a moment. Still good? 60% of Americans see cohabitation as one of the first steps towards marriage. However, it doesn't lead to marriage. Only 6% of people cohabit because they do not believe in marriage. 6% of people, only 6% say, I'm moving in with you because I don't want marriage and I don't believe in marriage. Most of the people who move in think it's the step towards actually the commitment, but it doesn't get there. Now wait, it's, it's, it's interesting, because they say up to 85% of couples that commit to cohabitation either break up or end up in divorce. 85%. People who cohabit are 50% more likely to get divorced if they marry. You know why? Trust. See, in the movies, when they, they meet each other, oh, yeah, yeah. Then 20 minutes later, they're in the house. The clothes are being torn off. There's the bra, there's the panties. Then next morning. Now wait, wait. That's 20 minutes after meeting someone. Now he goes on a business trip and she's at home. And they're not married. He couldn't wait 20 minutes. What's he going to do for a week? Because he isn't married to me. Think it through. And they say here, if an 18-year-old girl, listen to this, chooses to wait until 23 to get married, it'll cut their chances of divorce in half. Just because they've been dating someone they haven't had sex, they've measured everything. Now the thing's on a solid foundation, chances of falling apart are good. Have you been helped today? Come on, give God praise this morning. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.